1: Hi, this is Josh Marshall and this is the Josh Marshall Podcast. We are going to look today at what investigations are not being done currently that probably should be done and, and the way investigations, of course, we're talking about uh, investigations of political corruption, investigations in Washington, DC. Special counsels are a thing we used to have independent counsels, but investigation, those, those are extraordinary cases. It's not just a matter of a criminal investigation, but cases where the actual, the normal chain of command in the Justice Department is seen as having some potential conflict of interest, uh, and they, they go for a special counsel. The real way that oversight investigations happen is through Congress. And unfortunately, at the moment, we have a Congress that has almost totally abdicated that responsibility. Always when you have Congress in control of the same party as the president that often creates a situation where the oversight is less aggressive but they are actually if you you know you go back not too far uh, there's a difference between not that you know, not as aggressive and like non existent we're pretty close to non existent now, so uh I'm here with my colleague david Tainter hey, how are you i'm good man how are you i'm good i'm good and and we also we're not going to hear from him yet, but we have a special guest today. We have Matt Shuam, who is one of our news writers and is the guy who writes our weekly primer and if you 're not a if you're not a Prime subscriber yet at TPM, you really should be. I mean, you're listening to the podcast like, why are you not a Prime subscriber? <laughs> it's time. But it, yeah, it, it's, it is time. But uh, our weekly primers are these once a week sum-ups of all the relevant information on a given topic. So for instance, we have one about the Russia probe. We have one about... Healthcare policy and the ongoing battle over Obamacare. We have another one about voting rights and democracy and the one that Matt runs is the one basically about all the corruption in the the Trump administration. And the the idea behind these primers is we all have a shortage of time, not just in the broad existential sense, but in the daily sense. Uh, And, you know, we're busy. And it is easy to fall behind on key stories that you're interested in. Uh, even for even for us, even for me, as as news obsessed as as I am, you can't. It's impossible to keep track of everything. So what we do with these primers is we take the reporter who is sort of on that story, and so that person is going to be immersed in everything about that story. And what we want them to do is once a week sit down, write no more than 500 words, and they jam into those 500 words all the important developments within that story over the last week. So the promise we are sort of making as an organization is if you give us the two or three minutes to read these 500 words, you are going to be up to date. It is not going to be, by definition, every single thing happened that is related to that topic, but it is all the things of importance. You read that, you can say, okay, I probably missed some, you know, I didn't read all the articles I might have read last week, but I'm good because yeah. I trust the reporter or the news writer at TPM to, to bring me up to speed. So, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna get into that before we do. Uh, there's a word from our sponsors, uh, born in Brooklyn and brewed in the Bronx, Grady's it, you know, I never, I, I, uh, I never kind of took a moment david to think about that born in brooklyn and brewed in the bronx yeah. i guess that means like so the facilities they, up, up in yeah, the bronx yeah well i guess it co- kind of a question is how is how is cold brew iced coffee actually born is it like <laughs> was it the idea started in brooklyn or maybe they i bet they started in brooklyn yeah, I think but so. as they got like big you need to, time yeah you need to trade up for like bigger bigger facilities tanks or whatever yeah, yeah or whatever it is right. um they I guess they moved to the Bronx. So, born in Brooklyn and brewed in the Bronx, Grady's is New York's favorite cold brew. But you can have it delivered to your door no matter where you live. Their cold brew kit includes everything you need to create smooth, velvety cold brew at home. All you have to do is add water. No French press, no mess, no baristas. You save money, too. You get 36 cups of gourmet cold brew for only 30 bucks. That's less than a buck a cup. And shipping's free. Ready to give it a swirl? Get 20% off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. That's right. Cool. We, have,
0: we should give a quick shout out before we move on to uh, the the Facebook user in our podcast group, which everyone should go join, by yep. the way. Uh, posted a photo of his, I think. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, of his Grady's and said it was good stuff. And yeah. a, Another satisfied customer. Yeah, so totally. Thank
1: you. Well, we were talking to, you know, there's actually a Grady. Mm -hmm. This is not some like corporate... It's not a pseudonym or... Yeah, it's not some sort of like corporate brand tested, like, you know, kind of we'll call it Grady's. Right. There's actually a Grady. I think his name is, you know, his given name is, I think, Grayson. Hmm. I mean, I'll probably find out if that's not... But (laughs) I have... I have talked to the actual Grady, and 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 we do too, and and apparently they have a lot of new regular customers. That's good to hear because of because of uh, sponsoring the Josh Marshall podcast. So one other thing before we get started, you know, there are a number of podcasts that give you a number to call in on if you have a question. Um, you can call in and you leave a voicemail, and we will review those voicemails and we'll choose a few in each episode we will answer a few questions. So we have set up a, a number like that at the Josh Marshall podcast. So again, uh, most maybe not every single episode, most episodes uh, we will choose two or three questions I will answer them. Uh, so here is the number. If you want to do that if you if you have a question and you want me to answer it, uh, give us a call. It is 646-868 8393. Again, 646-868-8393. Uh, it's basically a voicemail line. Just call up, uh, a- ask a question. Try to keep it concise because we'll play your question. Um, it's great if you can you know, identify yourself by first name, maybe say where you're from, something like that. We don't need you to... Um give all your details and stuff like that but it's nice to have a name. So uh give it a try. I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to uh Yeah, it's always been important to, to us to
0: hear from readers and now yeah, listeners it's, and it's a core part of the what we do
1: on the site and want to try it out here. Right, the talk email is really a kind of a basic organic part of how TP, TPM runs. That that's the the organizational email that like if you go to the site and you click comments or something like that, it goes to talk at talkingpointsmemo.com. It's distributed to everybody in the organization. And it's really kind of like the lifeblood of, of, of what we do. So um, so let's talk. Okay, so here, here's what I want to talk about today. Um, there, is, there's, there is a story in Washington right now that has some dimensions of it that are kind of inside baseball to Washington, and and that has to do with the, there are there are kind of personal dimensions to it that have to do with the press corps in 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 D.C., but there are also uh, very big issues uh, connected to it. That is basically this: there is a reporter named Allie Watkins, and uh, she has only been in the profession for three or four years. She's in her mid twenties, but she has already made a big name for herself. She has kind of quickly gone from, you know, from one news outlet to the next. Right. Uh, she's currently at the New York Times, has broken I, lots of stories. I think she
0: started as an intern in the Washington Bureau of McClatchy, which Correct. is obviously a very it's a coveted internship. It's a organization known for investigative reporting. And I, I don't know exactly how old she was at that time, but I think, I think she, she was, was like in college, yeah, maybe like senior right. in college
1: or you know summer between yeah. or something like I that. I think
0: she was on the team that broke the stories of CI, the CIA spying on Senate intelligence. I think that's right. Kind of computers, and this was right. around the torture report that came out four ish years ago. Yeah, that, that, like that, that would be about right. Um, so, a star reporter, someone we've kind of talked about. Oh, maybe we should, you
1: know? Yeah, we actually, to yeah, us, yeah, yeah. Before all this happened, and and wouldn't be any different now. You know, we actually had some sort of just, you know. Uh, Casual conversations, like, wow, maybe we should try to, yeah. you know, make a run for her and obviously hire her, a talented young reporter uh, for the organization. I mean, obviously, those are those uh, th- those kind of stars are are hard for any organization to to poach. Hard for us, we're a small small organization. In any case, I just say that to give you a sense of the name that she has made for herself, even in a sh- very short period of time. Now, um, a w- couple weeks ago, news came out that she had carried on a relationship with a very senior senior in the sense of, of seniority him, yeah, yeah. seniority on Capitol Hill, uh, a person at the Senate Intelligence Committee who I believe is in his mid 50s, so substantially older than her they had had an affair for about three years um, and he was indicted for lying to the FBI. Now what he was being investigated for was allegedly uh leaking information to reporters. What he's as often as the case what he's actually indicted for lying to investigators, but that's sort of the 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 broad story there. She claims that during their relationship he was never a source. Um my read of this is that you know there there's been all sorts of reporting now sort of dissecting everything about this. There are lots of questions. Was she acting in an unethical way, uh, having this relationship? I mean, even if he was not her source, she's still a reporter on intelligence matters, etc. My read of the story is that at almost each step, she told her employer yeah, at the time that was what she was too. doing. Right. I mean, there's so, like, kind of in, in some like there was, you know, she worked for BuzzFeed, worked for Politico, she worked for McClatchy, she worked for Huff Post. HuffPost. HuffPost, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, there were some points at which she says, I, you know, I'm dating a staffer on the intelligence community. She didn't say the name. Right. The level of detail yeah, seems to I'm have not... differed, I guess, a little bit. Well, I think also... Depending on the job. And and things got more legally complicated as they went. So she did. In any case, I have felt like she's kind of getting a bum rap here, not least because there's... The reporting has delved very deeply into her... Relationship life and, and yeah, you can know, you imagine?
0: It, the New York Times, I think, did like a 3,000 word yeah. story. This was on Monday. Imagine being a 26 year old young woman yeah, reporter and having your, your entire personal life not just relationship yeah, but
1: sex life and build onto the yeah, front page yeah. of the and just, largest paper in the country. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it just seems very unfair to me. Um, obviously, you know, maybe he was a source and she's not telling the truth, but. There doesn't seem to be any evidence of, of that. And again... And her reporting has stood up, right? I mean, yeah, she's there's, broken there's, legitimate it,
0: stories that have not been disputed or exactly, struck there's, down there's, or Exactly. There's
1: no evidence that any of her stories have proven to be wrong or tainted in any way. Um, it, you know, and, and again, it seemed like with the Times, again, if I understand the reporting, when she got to the Times, and this is relatively recently, like in the last, I think, three or four months, uh, she basically said, I had this relationship with this guy, James Wolfe. I'm not, you know, not anymore. You know, kind of told everything. Um, and and now they're kind of, you know, the Times is saying, well, we're reviewing her work, reviewing her conduct. I'm like, what?
0: Right. And like, apparently like, she's on vacation now. There's been some speculation like, all right, is that,
1: does that yeah. mean a permanent vacation or what's going yeah. on? Yeah. I mean, again, there's a lot that we don't know and, and. It is always a tricky matter for any reporter mixing personal relationships and professional relationships. In any case, it it really seems to me that that she is being treated in a in not a good way by the whole profession, and specifically her current employer, the New York Times. So, a couple more, uh, one more key fact here. In the course of this investigation, the FBI slash Justice Department. You know getting a subpoena and whatever went and seized a lot of her personal records and email records now the way we live these days they don't have to come to your house they go to google right so that obviously i, I don't think there's any question that the justice department legally was entitled to do that they get a you know you get a warrant in a sense it's not that different from what happened to michael cohen It's obviously a very touchy matter when it's a reporter. Yeah. Okay. So that is, that's sort of the whole story. Uh, James Wolfe, the, the very senior. um, And again, I mean, in the sense of seniority, he'd been on that committee for like 30 years or something. Uh, He's under indictment. He's going to go on trial, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But something else came up in the course of this investigation, in the course of the reporting on this last year. Allie Watkins, the the young reporter, the mid-20s, 20-something reporter in this case, got a, was, you know, was contacted by someone who said they were in government, wanted to meet, kind of, kind of the idea this person's going to be a source. Okay. She goes and, and meets with this person. Again, textbook, this kind of stuff happens all the time. She's having coffee, having a meal with him or something like that. And he starts saying, I want to know who your sources are and sort of, you know, to, to I'm I'm involved in a leak investigation. He then goes on to tell her very specific details about international travel that she had made with this man who was then her she was in a relationship right, including with. Right, like Wolf. layovers, the airports yeah, that they very, connected through. Very detailed stuff. Stuff I mean, the fact that they were having a relationship, which I don't think was a secret, but you know, random Government investigators wouldn't wouldn't know about it. Um, and also details about the personal life, the personal background of this guy, James Wolfe. Okay. So, and 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 is and and this person who would not reveal their name or what government agency that they worked for basically said in a pretty explicit way, kind of like: if this gets public, you're done, right? So he's basically trying to blackmail her into revealing her sources. She gets a little freaked out, as I think anybody would, because again, if a if someone from law enforcement contacts you, they will they will tell you their name. They will tell you the agency they are with, if they are there as official business. It might be different if they're there as a source. Okay. She. This is back in April. I'm sorry, June of 2017. So. It's months later before all the other stuff that, that I described. You know, her her email being seized. Uh, this James Wolfe guy falling under suspicion. Whatever. Okay. Now, so she she meets with this guy. Does he doesn't identify himself in any way? But she after they you know they depart, she goes back to the restaurant and basically gets the receipt. Yeah, that
0: was kind and of he, an interesting detail. I wondered like how does she how did she get this guy's information from the bar or the restaurant or whatever?
1: You know, good reporter, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, you, kind I guess of, so. you talk a good game. Yeah. The key the key is to me is like this is not good tradecraft on the on the right. on the government invest- I mean, it's this very weird combination on the one hand he's like I'm not telling right. but then he then he signs a yeah. receipt with his credit card. Right. Maybe carry cash if you're going to be a shady uh, government operator yeah. next time. Yeah, okay. So what she finds out is he is a guy named Jeffrey Rambo, guy, you know. You can't make this name up. You can't up. <laughs> make this name up. And he is a officer with the Customs and Border Protection Agency. So and just to just to make this clear, customs customs officers have nothing to do with leak investigations. They do have access in the nature of things to track, you know, Records about people going, you know, coming in and out of the United States. But he had a lot of information about her and about him that went beyond the travel stuff. Okay. Um, The other point is, and she later found out, he's, uh, you know, Customs, uh, Customs, It's they call it Customs Protection. You know, Border Patrol officer based out in California who had temporarily been... Uh, in uh, seconded or was working on a task force in Washington DC with the FBI. Okay. Now, so when, when all of this when everything hit the fan a few weeks ago, this part of the story came out, the Washington Post did an article on this. And they went to the Customs and Border Protection Agency and said, you know, what the fuck? What's what's this about? They said, Oh, yeah, We're going to have our, I think it's called Office of Special Responsibility, kind of like the Inspector General, take a look at it. We'll get back to you. But they were very, they wouldn't really say, they wouldn't say what he does, what, you know, anything. So here's the thing. The information that this guy knew is not information that you could even illegitimately get as someone in border, in in the Border Patrol. You can get the sort of the travel information. You can't get this other stuff. And the other point is, to even think about, I'm going to sit down with this Allie Watkins woman and sort of, you know, pressure her to expose her boyfriend and all this kind of stuff, A, you have to know they're having a relationship, which, again, was not a secret, but some Border Patrol dude from California is not going to know about it. Second, you have to have a decent amount of knowledge of how the Capitol Hill Press Corps works just to even have a sense of what pressure you might be able to apply, stuff like this. In any case, at least notionally, this is currently being investigated by the, you know, this Office of Professional Responsibility at the at the Border Patrol. But it seems almost certain to me this guy's not acting alone. There's just it's you know, it's it's theoretically possible. But for the reasons I just described, it is highly highly improbable that this person is acting alone and you cannot ignore the fact that uh customs and border protection and ice are heavily politicized agencies that are and there's lots of reasons that we know this uh you know they were the only they were the only federal unions to endorse trump right you know Aggressively campaigned on his behalf. And Something on,
0: he loved re- love to remind yeah, his rally yeah, totally, 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 totally. All the time,
1: yeah. Um, and, and the key there is, as they put it, you know, a president who will let us do our jobs, let us enforce the law, which is code for enforce the law to the maximum extent, the way we think it should. Because it's always this funny thing, because under Obama, you know, let us do our job, let us enforce the law. The, the law or your job is what the legitimate elected authorities say your job is um in any case that's a whole different thing <laughs> right i suspect what you have here is some kind of rogue groups doing banding together kind yeah, of yeah you know kind of uh, i don't know what you want to call it exactly whether it's you know, off the books investigations that are that are you know highly political in in nature. So that's going on. I'm extremely interested in this. I, I was sort of surprised because I, I kind of focused in on this. I wrote a I wrote a piece about it a couple days ago or Sunday night or something like that. Um, I focused in on it after I read a. I think the piece you're talking about in the Times that came out over the weekend or Friday or something like that, that went into some detail about this. And I was sort of stunned, like because again, this is this has been out there for about two weeks. And I was sort of stunned, like everybody's like, oh, they're looking into it at border. I mean, this has so many red flags, it almost defies belief. So, very interested in that. But the reason we're talking about it in this episode is if you had oversight. This wouldn't just be like, oh, that happened. That's weird. Wouldn't just be eight paragraphs yeah, in the New York I Times. Yeah, I mean, it is a, there's so many red flags here th- that something really bad is happening. Uh, but, but there's no oversight because the Republican majorities in both houses, with some exceptions in the Senate, the Senate investigation on the Russia stuff has been pretty legitimate. Um, but by and large, and certainly in the House, there's just, you just don't don't look at these things. So... Um, one thing that i wanted to ask people to think about and this is not i don't think this is this is getting enough attention obviously everybody's waiting for the midterms uh it's a big deal on a lot of different fronts if the democrats take control of one or both houses of congress people think like well are they going to impeach trump my own feeling is is the whole impeachment thing is largely a non-issue, and I'm sure I'm going to get some grief over that. But I say that's for a few reasons. I think in some ways it is substantively kind of a non-issue. But the key is, is that you can impeach the president in the House of Representatives as many times as you want, but you still need two-thirds of the Senate to remove him from office. And in any universe that that we are likely to uh, be living in, that is just not going to happen, unless something a huge and dramatic new set of facts comes to life. That is just not going to happen.
0: Yeah, Think even about, even like, if Mueller's report comes out and it has some, you know, names him as what a um, unindicted co-conspirator, that's sort of one option that is on the table. It's hard to see Republicans breaking from Trump. Yeah, I mean in the look, Senate. I mean, you know, he's at ninety percent approval among Republicans, and so those are the those are the elected officials, voters that they that they don't want to lose. Basically, yeah,
1: yeah. And again, I'm not. I mean. There are There are plenty of scenarios where you know President Trump has had a secret hotline to Vladimir Putin this whole time, and he's been you know just just wild new facts that could lead to the total collapse of his support among Republicans. Then he gets removed from office, then he probably resigned too. But I guess the point is President Trump will not be removed from office as long as he has high level support among Republicans. What is important, though, what is really key is that that investigative power. That's what matters. That is what has real practical effects. Because this, this uh, Border Patrol little nugget of information that we just mentioned, it's just an example. There are so many things going on right now that speak to... Such a pervasive and widespread and deep level of corruption that there would just be no end of things to investigate and need to be investigated. And once you once you have subpoena power, you can start really getting to the bottom of things. And let's be honest: when you when it's a when it's a if it if it happens when it's a Democratic uh, committee and a Republican president. Politics comes into play. That's just that's that is a natural part of our system, antagonistic interests. But there's a ton to investigate. Now, we know about and we're about to talk about some of these things. We know about them largely because of really good journalism that is that is starting to scratch at the surface of some of this stuff but journalists don't have subpoena power. They can't even get you to answer the, you know, journalists can't even make you answer the (laughs) phone. So there is inherently, you can only get so much from what journalists can uncover. It's a game changer when you have subpoena power. Uh, and, And so that is, and to me, that is really the biggest thing. In some ways, both houses i mean it'd be i mean from my personal perspective it would be great if the democrats got both houses of congress but the key is they need one they need one because you need some ability to conduct oversight because again there are so many things going on and you know from the democrats perspective obviously it's great if they find trump doing all sorts of stuff but this isn't this goes beyond the politics of the moment this is a a level a pervasive level of corruption is taking place that not only in a in a in a in a basic sense, sort of robs us of as citizens of what we're paying for good government. It's also changing the nature of our political system with things like the president having all of these business interests abroad. Um, you know, using the presidency as 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 a way to basically as part of the family business. So. Here's the here's the thing that I don't think people have another thing that people haven't focused on enough and I'm having some friends who who work on Capitol Hill confirm this but if you have the Democrats controlling the house there are a, a few different committees that can simply subpoena the president's tax returns again got a couple I, I've got some uh, people who, Do you know which committees that would be at the well, top of your head? there is – the Ways and Means Committee has the ability to – now, that doesn't mean they have the ability just to kind of push, publish, and, like, publish them for everybody. The Ways and Means Committee – and for obvious reasons, there's a lot of restrictions placed on it. The Ways and Means Committee, I believe, has the standing ability to uh, – I'm not even sure it's a subpoena exactly because, again, it's, you know, it's, it's something that they have a right to look at to uh, get a hold of tax returns because they're the tax writing, you know, uh, committee. It's, It's that part of it is directly under their purview. I believe, and again, I'm trying to confirm this now, I think the Senate Judiciary Committee, the Standing Investigative Committee, if there are reasons that are in their, in the purview of their oversight, where the tax returns become relevant, I believe that they can... Look at them as well, and, and, is,
0: and is the idea that Trump? I mean, there's president that the that the president in general has to comply with subpoenas. I mean, I know that's it's happened in legal cases, but from Congress, is that a separate kind of issue?
1: Uh, there's well, the on all sorts of fronts, the executive can can invoke executive privilege and mm-hmm. say that that's not you know that they that they won't comply. It's not clear. I mean, the president has no ability to invoke executive privilege because things are private to him personally the whole point of executive privilege is that you can't be president if any you know any congress at any time can go in and just say oh that private conversation you had with your advisor let's hear the transcript and that right again, it stops you from doing your regular yeah, job i mean of. executive privilege for people who who, who Believe in oversight and not having a lawless presidency kind of has a bad name, but there there is a rationale. There's you know think about it with a president that you like. You know uh, Barack Obama is you know discussing strategy for Obamacare and he's there with you know uh, Pluff and Valerie Jarrett and you know David Axelrod and they're kind of thinking it through. Does the Congress really? get to come in and say like, okay, Valerie, you come on up, tell me exactly what the president said, the jokes he told, you know, whatever. Right. We we kind of get the idea. In any case, the one hypothetical, which I think is that big one, is the emoluments clause. You know, what, and even beyond the emoluments clause, how do we know with his various actions, whether President Trump is not, you know, doing his job, uh, to under the constitution to be president to to enforce the laws and protect the general welfare but he's got he's making money off it you can't know that without knowing what his assets are what his businesses are stuff like that so i think there are at least a couple committees beyond ways and means that would have a very strong argument that certain things can't be investigated without knowing what his what his holdings are what businesses here that is a big, big deal. If if for nothing else where you think, you know, your vote is 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 important, that is and, and frankly, you know, because there are a lot certainly there are a lot of Democrats who are like, yeah, we we'll see his tax returns. That'd be <laughs> awesome, man. He's like he's been such a dig about it. And now, <laughs> you know, now you're gonna answer to us. Yep. So there's there's obviously a there's gonna be a strong sense of just sort of like uh, partisan payback, basically. Because sure. this should have happened two years ago. But the thing is, is it is actually really important. What are the president's business interests in the Middle East? What are his interests in these various hotels that are being built in East Asia? This is not just, this isn't just fishing expeditions. There's no way to know the legitimacy of his actions in various parts of the world. And frankly, a lot of the applies even domestically. It's not you know th- there's a there is a specific constitutional issue with the emoluments clause but it's not like there there are similar there are highly relevant issues that have to do with oversight that are are purely domestic so just kind of think about that when you're thinking about like you know am I gonna am I gonna give money to this you know this candidate or something like that tax returns tax returns tax <laughs> returns so okay so what we're gonna do now is I wanted Matt to um, to join us and there's no way in like 20 episodes of the show we're going to get through all the different possible areas of corruption but i asked matt to come up with like you know five or six big ones you know things that we already know something about we know there's some problems but you know subpoena power would would be a uh would be a very valuable thing. So, Matt, so introduce yourself. Yes. Yeah, Hi. thanks for coming on, Matt.
2: Thanks for having me on. This is so exciting. I'm. Uh, this is the uh, first time I've ever been a
1: podcast guest. Yeah. Well, tell it. Tell. Okay. So. So just just for our for our our listeners, tell tell us uh, just a little bit about your TPM history. How long you have been here? What do you do? Right. Ah. I got here in September of
2: 2016. Uh, so I had a, a debate or two left to go before the presidential election.
0: Uh, and I've been a, a pretty news pretty e- pretty easy introduction to uh, the TPM world in that yeah, time
2: yeah, of the yeah, year. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and, and it's been a, a wild ride. Um, I've just been doing a lot of breaking news, and as of a few months ago, I've been doing. Uh, these weekly primers on the Trump swamp or the deconstruction of the administrative state.
0: Yes. Uh, Yeah. How many weeks, how many weeks have you done that now? Uh, Probably five or six, I think. So
2: I've been sort of dipping my toe into this vast world of executive branch cabinet level corruption and shady dealings and more than just the appearances of mispropriety. Um, the, the act of sort of undermining government, um, and, and not, uh, not doing things the way they should be done. I know
1: when we were when we were conceiving of this new primer it was a it was a big thing that we didn't we weren't just looking at kind of what most people think of when they use the word corruption which is self-dealing, bribery, mm-hmm. you know, money stuff, but also stuff that goes under the heading of 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 norms now, kind mm-hmm. of just like you're you're you're, you know, fundamentally breaking rules, kind of changing the rules of the road. So, okay. So tell us, let's do, uh, we're going to do a, not quite a lightning round, but let's, you know, hit us with what the big ones are.
2: Right. And, and I'd like to, I think, I I know it's not good to read on podcasts, but I'd like to read a a, two sentence, three sentence email. Uh, A few months ago, and this is from one unnamed White House aide to another unnamed White House aide, I believe, or Trump administration officials. It says, the public, media, and congressional reaction to these new numbers is going to be huge. The impact to EPA and DOD is going to be extremely painful. We, DOD and EPA, cannot seem to get ATSDR to realize the potential public relations nightmare this is going to be. EPA's chief of staff is likely reaching out to HHS chief of staff. And the the ATSDR is the Agency of Toxic Substances and Disease uh, uh, Registry. And so basically this email is about, uh, it could be about a massive uh, cover up that affects thousands or millions of people, which is why I think it's important to start with this. It's about PFAS, uh, P-F-A-S, which is a class of chemicals found in lots of things from no stick frying pans to, military fire extinguishers, which is why it's uh, important for the military and DOD. But basically what happened is HHS, uh, Agency of Toxic Substances is HHS, uh, did a study a while ago and there was a draft circulating that said PFAS are Dangerous at much lower levels than we previously thought. Ten times lower than we previously thought. When you say no stick frying, you mean like when
1: you've got that 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 kind mm-hmm. of coating that no stick frying, frying pans have. Yeah, frying your eggs and whatnot,
0: <laughs> and it it
2: works like magic. And that's because it's a it's a very complicated chemical. Okay, that they put into that. Um, but it's also used in military grade fire extinguishers. It's used in hundreds of products. It's it's a uh, all over the place. And basically, the study draft said this is way more dangerous than we thought. We need to really reimagine how we deal with this chemical. Um, And this email that I just read was sent in the White House. It was cc'd to somebody at the EPA, and the study never got out. It was months. Last week, the study was released, uh, and it was exactly what we thought, that this is way more uh, dangerous at lower levels than the EPA had previously suggested. This is also the same chemical uh, that... Uh, the EPA had a summit on a few weeks ago that, I'm not sure if you remember, the members of the media were barred from entering the summit. Yeah, it was yep, a big deal. Yep. There's a congressman who represents Flint, whose staffers were not allowed to go into the summit. Uh, and the question now is, was there, uh, did somebody lean on this study? Did somebody try to keep it from being released? Um and and like I said, this could potentially affect military bases all over the country. You'll see this a lot on local news, actually, where people talk about PFAS in the in the local water supply and what um, their local governments are doing to fix it. And that's actually what the summit was about: was local, tribal, state governments coming to Washington and saying, "This is how we're dealing with it." So, yeah. what
1: was what is the what do we think the time was between when this study was available in any? Sense, mm-hmm. and when the information, like, are we talking about a delay of a month, a year, or six months? I'm pretty sure this this email that I read was
2: sent in January, and the study haven't been done, so it was a significant delay. So four or five months, they're kind of sitting
1: on it. Yeah. it seems like,
2: yeah, and um, and when I'm when I've been writing about the Trump Swamp, so-called, I've been trying to see what affects the, the largest number of people, and this to me, even though it's kind of an obscure story. Um, and the study did come out and the draft, what was known about the draft was known at the time. There's been a very unusual effort to suppress these findings. And that to me, um, was unusual and alarming. And, and like you said, if there were Democrats in either, uh, chamber, something that would be investigated.
1: Now, let me ask you in this case, because obviously the Trump administration has a very hard anti-regulatory, you know, agenda, but in this case you know it's it's not like the trump administration introduced these chemicals and now it turns out they're dangerous i mean it th- th- sounds like there was a an ongoing study which probably started in the previous administration whatever um, and and then it it you know the the results come in and you know in in clear enough a a level to where they're you know they you know the results and say that's in January, like, why is this bad for the Trump administration? I mean, they didn't, in, in a basic sense, in January, they didn't do this. So right. what's the, what's the, I, even even that email, I'm a little. Well, they have to respond to
2: it is yeah. the question. So let's say, this reminded me a little bit. I'm not sure if you remember, there's something called burn pits that the military uses in their overseas. Uh, yeah, uh, burning trash and basis. tires basically, and Basically, yeah, right? every piece of waste just gets burned. And there was a cover up basically around. Uh, that ProPublica did a lot of work on about how much, how damaging these burn pits were to members of the military. And this reminded me of Because you just have You're like in, a lot of toxic you chemicals. The, You're right, right, yeah. inhaling right, all of this right, right. stuff. And the same goes for military bases now. There's a lot of military bases all over the country um, that have contaminated drinking water, to put it bluntly. Um, and because the, of this? Because of these chemicals. Okay. And not, now, yeah.
1: So let's talk about that because I think you were talking about like fire extinguishers. Mm-hmm. So w- why is it in the water? Like how's that? Uh, it's all—it's
2: all, all got to go somewhere, basically. Um, uh, so, uh, local wells, for example, if you're living on or near a military base, and the watershed is has been
1: contaminated by these chemicals, just and, as a matter and of and course, and that's because just. In a lot of different functions, the military is is doing things that that where these chemicals are involved.
2: Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And like okay. I said, they're very widespread. The the, the, the uh, no stick frying pan just sticks out in my mind because I always thought there's something fishy about no stick frying pans. Yeah. Well, that's also yeah.
1: something that like that's been talked about. Like yeah. these are sure. may, These may not be great. Right. And then they, yeah. the the flecks of them
2: come off after you've yeah. had it for and a little too long. Yeah. 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 And like yeah. I said, the the PFAS were something that
1: they were regulated before,
2: and they, this was in Nash, uh, local and, and state news before that these are not healthy. Right. Um, it's the matter of the level of them being dangerous it's so much lower uh, at such a lower level than right. we thought. Right. And right. so, and like they said, this is a this White House staffer, unnamed White House staffer said, this is a nightmare for DOD and for EPA. EPA because they're tasked with enforcing these regulations, and the study has implications on what what levels they should enforce. It's it's very it's a it's a large problem, and it's something they didn't. Want Want to deal with and and um, and uh, this congressman from flint has been on the leading edge of this uh dan uh i think his name Mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. um but this would uh, this would be a priority for democrats i should hope because
1: it it might be a massive scandal well you know this is this is this is actually i'm glad you brought this up because this brings up a basic point things are so polarized now president trump is and his his top people are so corrupt We think about oversight is like finding the bribe, you know, finding the 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 hotel development in Indonesia that you're getting smoking gun type stuff well, smoking gun and just like self dealing and and all that kind of stuff. But this is what oversight is really Mm -hmm. about, Mm -hmm. kind of like you need someone watching the government to make sure you're getting the job done Mm -hmm. and and when something's uncomfortable or embarrassing you don't cover it up and it's a good example because in this case again maybe the Trump administration sat on this for you know four or five months but at least from what i'm understanding here this isn't the trump administration's fault Mm -mm. people you know people have been using these things forever and you have new science that says hey this is a problem Mm -hmm. um so this is where this is one of the many reasons why oversight is not just a matter of, of you know, partisan payback and kind of razzing the other side. It's ha- You can't have good government without good oversight. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's one. So give us another.
2: And, and uh, just to note on that, a lot or, of... These... Or expand
1: on your point. Well, no, just... <laughs> either one.
2: <laughs> I'm sorry, but j- just to say that a lot of these um, scandals, conflict stories have to do with political appointee interference in bureaucratic work. That's right. what this basically comes down to. Right. Um, I know this is sort of a separate story in in the moral weight of it, but uh, the family separation thing, I really think is a, is a story parallel also in its administrative, what it's shown about the administrative incompetence in, in the Trump administration. And I would think that Democrats would, uh, I think they've called for hearings on this. Um, just the total bungling of separating thousands of kids from their parents as a, and we could talk about the morality of using it as a deterrent for illegal immigration or whatever, but um, it's the issue of four agencies that I can count: uh, DHS, HHS, DOJ, and, and to some extent the military, um, if they're used as bases or if they're u- using JAGs or whatever. Um, totally uh, bungling, like I said. The uh, family, just fa- family unity, the ability to keep families. In touch
0: with each other, right? Not uh, knowing where the kids are and and how to get them back together with their parents,
2: right? And and this is something that each agency says they have data on on where uh, parents, siblings, wh- whatever are located, um, and ha- and what's clear now is this zero tolerance policy that Jeff Sessions announced in. April and was really enforced uh, to a fuller extent in May was uh, was not prepared for. Um, this is something that they said we're going to enforce the law to the uh, harshest extent, and I, it looks like they just said to themselves, "Whatever happens, uh, happens." Um, and to me, this is a it's it's about it's about the morality of the separation, which is not really my role to opine on. But it's also about just the. The, the, the total uh, failure of the administrative state, so-called by Steve Bannon, um, to keep track of people's kids and to prevent the ongoing abuse um, via separation of thousands of minors.
1: You know, there was uh, – we got an email in uh, last night or this morning, and it was a reader kind of coming at this from a slightly different angle, which was, you know, was the – you know, what was the goal here? Is the goal here that you're just never going to give these kids back and you're going to sort of, you know, force assimilate them and, and, and whatever. And my sense, and this is, I think, sort of what you're saying, you're saying something complimentary to this, is that there was no goal. The goal was to have this zero tolerance policy, because in their minds, that was being like hard ass, like, we're not fucking around anymore. We're going to, you know, we're going to break up the family, all this kind of stuff. And again, the morality of of deterrence is a, just set that aside for the moment. But I just I just don't think they really, I don't think they even thought that much. Where are we going to put the kids? Mm-hmm. Let alone once you separate thousands of people and are, you know, deporting parts of the family and not others, how just how are you ever going to get these people back together again? Right. Even if like even if you have the records, like let's say you've got some like you know, Honduran mother and kid. Um, you know, kids separated, uh, you kind of bully her into agreeing to being deported. She's down in Honduras. She may not have even, you know, kind of what we think of as like documentation to even kind of Hmm. prove to our standards who she is or who her kid is. She doesn't have, is is almost certainly not going to have the financial wherewithal to kind of work through the administrative, whatever it's, even if you even if you assume a maximum effort which would be almost crazy to assume given the administration to bring these these groups back together it's just it's so hard and I fear in some cases will just prove impossible and this is on top of
2: uh, weeks and months of putting in place policies that they should have known would made this would have made this crisis so much worse for example. Um, right as this uh, policy was going to be more widely reported in May, uh, I was on a conference call with uh, Stephen Wagner from HHS, who's the person in, in charge. His agency is in charge of the Office of Refugee Resettlement, which is the group, the agency that takes in these kids once they're once they become so-called unaccompanied, and and distributes them out to uh, contracted foster homes and and uh,
1: in, in some cases to
2: next of kin. Right. And this is the problem. So on this conference call, Stephen Wagner said, "This is." right after that news broke that HHS couldn't keep couldn't find 1500 kids which was a more complicated story but we'll set that aside um and he said uh we've actually been looking forward to putting in in place this uh, memorandum of agreement with DHS so that when somebody comes to a sponsor comes to a, a foster home that HHS contracts with to pick up a kid uh and to keep them in their as a foster parent, as a sponsor in their home, we're now going to be requiring everybody in that household to give their fingerprints to us so that we can give them to DHS. As far as I can tell, it's not uh, illegal or prohibited for an undocumented person to act as a sponsor, act as a foster family for an unaccompanied minor. Uh, so it it's not for that, um, that they're asking for fingerprints. And it seems like a, it seems like a sort of a backdoor effort to, uh, um, uh, discourage undocumented yeah. people yeah. from picking well, up their uh, right. kid so relatives. C- it
1: clearly it's, yeah. it's and, and I, uh, it's, it's also clear that even if you, even if, even in a case where like, let's say next of kin, you know, uh, mother and father, another kid, they're the uncle, they get, you know, want to pick up the kid, blah, 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 blah. Even if they are all green card holders, there is for obvious reasons, mm-hmm. lots of, uh, fear and skepticism and I, I don't want to say paranoia because that makes it seem irrational. People don't want to give their fingerprints. They don't want to get it. Right. You know, they don't want to sort of make contact yeah. with the... And especially
2: when you're getting arrested. You know, lots, lots of people have been arrested and deported when they're going to ICE for regular check-ins, right? right. So let's say you're not undocumented, but you're already sort of in this legal system of an undocumented person living in the U.S. And let's say you give your fingerprint to DHS to pick up your nephew or something who's now newly separated from his biological parents. You're putting yourself back in contact yeah. with ICE. So yeah. instead of uh, these kids being placed with foster families, where they can then pursue asylum or immigration uh, uh, hearings from a point of freedom, uh, being with relatives, they're they're going to be stuck. And I think I've read reports that they're uh, in these HHS contracted uh, uh, homes and and foster f- or, uh, detention centers, essentially, for longer than they would
1: have other, otherwise been. Because uh, I mean, it's almost. Al- it's almost- it, it it's almost if if you are basically saying if you're next of kin you've got to like submit yourself to our scrutiny right It's obvious you're gonna have right. far fewer people come forward yeah and and you know even apart from the morality and the impact on these children it is unbelievably expensive to mm-hmm. house detain whatever it is you know it it is for everything else about keeping children with their parents, not only is it the ethical thing to do and the, um, you know, clinically appropriate thing to do, it's the cheapest thing to do. Mm -hmm. It is the cheapest thing to do. It's just crazy on, 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 on every front. So you're right. There's lots of there's lots of stuff to be looked into there. So give us a let's go on to the next yes. topic. What's the next one?
2: Uh, it's a lawsuit uh, from the N- NAACP, the National Federation of the Blind, and the Council of Parent Attorneys and Advocates, which is a, a student disability group. Um, and these three groups, the NAACP, and in these two disability groups, are suing the Department of Education. Um, for systematically just dropping civil rights investigations. Um, for example, if, if there's a, a step in the wrong place and your child who's in a wheelchair can't get to their class, um, that sort of thing. Or if there's a systematic suspension or a, a other disciplinary action taken against black students uh, that's disproportionate to their behavior uh, in class. Or, uh, all of these um, individual cases that play out across the country every day
1: Uh, On a massive scale where the government is supposed to have a role of if they find out you're not you're not um, making educational facilities accessible for handicapped children in Louisiana, the Department of Education comes in and says, you have to do it or we're going to sue you that they're just like forget it. We're, not, we're just not evolving ourselves right. in this anymore. Right.
2: And, as, right. and as far as the impact that this has on people's lives, sometimes there's a little bit of a gap between the federal government and its bureaucracy and, and people on the ground. This is one of those cases that I thought sort of uh, typified how an administration that just bluntly doesn't care about the jobs they're supposed to be doing can impact uh, people's lives. ProPublica reported uh, uh, last week that uh, DeVos has scuttled more than 1,200 civil rights probes inherited from Obama. So think about what that means. 1,200 doesn't mean 1,200 individual students. It can mean a group of students that sued a school. You know, it could mean so uh, many thousands of people who maybe for months or maybe for years, Um, had a case that they took to the Department of Education's uh, Office of uh, Civil Rights and uh, said, I think I'm being discriminated against, or my uh, child is, or this group of students is. Um, We're asking the federal government to uh, perform an oversight or a regulatory responsibility. Uh, The Obama administration said, okay. DeVos said, "Uh, bye, basically. (laughs) And and the lawsuit is specifically about um, her, I I think it was her line that... um, there's a. Uh, it was basically a, a bar that the uh, civil rights office had to clear that said, it, "If this, I'm, I'm not sure her exact words, but basically this is too taxing of an investigation, right? Without, uh, without the results we want, basically without, uh, it's not somebody. It's uh, not worth the time. Yes,
1: basically. So let me ask you this: Do you know at the Department of Education is there a? You know, Betsy DeVos is is ultimately responsible, but she's probably not doing this literally herself. Do you know who the a pointive person is, is there like who, who, under whose purview, who's actually doing this? Who's overseeing this? Do we know that? I, uh,
2: the name escapes me. Um, the, the office of, uh, uh the civil rights uh, office. In DOE. The, okay. But certainly this is a, a big enough deal that DeVos would be involved.
1: Right. No, I'm not yeah. trying to like, uh, you know, exculpate her, um, but, mm-hmm. but in a case like this, I, I assume, and it sounds like there is whoever's in charge of the, the Civil Rights Enforcement Office in the Department of Education—that's the person who's actually executing this this yeah. policy. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay, one more. Let's talk about one more in 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 our in our look at all of the things that that are uh, that need to be looked at.
2: Right. Uh, there are so many. Um, this one—it's—I—I I gotta say—it's a little bit out of my depth as far as my knowledge of just. Stock trading and global finance, and uh, it's a it's a very complicated story, as usually is the case with Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross. But
1: um, basically, uh, he's he's like amazingly corrupt. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 almost like e- I even his like
0: I, I have never from looking at like a, a bringing a can of soup on cable news to be like, oh, look at these <laughs> tariffs aren't a big deal. Well, you can still buy you know, your there, Campbell's there, and whatever. There's
1: this story, and I don't want I don't want to sidetracked off sidetracked us off Matt too much but there's this recent story where uh New York Times finds out he owns some this stock it. That's oh, what oh, oh, yeah oh right <laughs> okay yeah well okay so you tell tell us to tell a story I didn't know that's what right
2: well uh, no just just to bring this to the the public's attention I guess uh uh that he shorted stock in a Kremlin linked shipping company um with the knowledge that the Consortium of International Investigative Journalists uh, would be pursuing, a, would publishing a story about this uh, right,
0: uh, so shipping he, firm. He starts getting questions about it, right? Yes. The reporters looking into right, it, kind of right. gets on his radar, and then he's like, oh, shit. Um, yes.
1: Well, but here's the thing. The normal response would be like, oh, shit. Like, okay, I'm going to take a hit here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. I own this thing. It's a problem. I've got but a he, couple but, other billion dollars. But that's he goes. Fine. But he goes beyond this. I mean, he's really, he's an innovator. <laughs> in like in like really wholesale corruption, mm-hmm. what that means is is he doesn't just say like ah, gotta unload this stock. I'm gonna really take a hit. I shouldn't have owned this stock. He's like ah, it's basically yeah. inside. Yeah. It's it's almost like insider trading wouldn't be legally yes. insider trading, but he's like, I can make a pretty penny here because yes. I know. This stock is about to get a lot of negative publicity, <laughs> so I'm going to short the stock and make even more money. I'm going to, I am, I am monetizing my own corruption. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. That's yeah.
2: basically it. And, and like you said, he argues it's not, it's not non-public information if a reporter comes to you and says we're about to publish this story. Uh, but it, like you said, it heights new innovations in corruption.
1: I think, I think what it comes down to it, is not non-public information in the very specific sense that. That has a specific meaning in mm-hmm. insider trading right. terms. And I think he's right that it's not that because in that case, non-public information is stuff that is known inside the company. Mm-hmm. And there's a whole complex thing about the logic behind why insider trading is illegal. It, what it basically is is that if I'm inside the company and I know something and I use it to make money, I'm actually defrauding the owners of the stock. Mm-hmm. Because I have this, I have this now. They don't, so I'm making money off them. So he's right that it's not like inside information in that sense. But it, it's but it's privilege, kind no, of in a way. Yeah. It, no one has come up with rules to to bar this kind of corruption. And I it's, believe it's too yeah. innovative. People haven't gotten to it. People haven't <laughs> yeah. thought of it.
2: And and I believe the the story they were working on came out of the Panama Papers. So this really was information that was not known publicly right. even though it doesn't fit the definition it's, it's right. kind
1: of
0: it's kind of yeah. amazing i mean i this story broke what a couple of weeks ago i think mm. i mean it just sort of made a blip on the radar it's one of those tweets you see kind of flying past in your timeline mm-hmm. and it's just a reminder of all the crazy shit that's happening week after week day after day that is a big deal that is in any other world would be i don't know dominate coverage yeah, for a long totally. time but it's, it it's, just
1: kind of flies past i mean that's really the thing that it that it is um you know it's it's really it's hard to keep track of everything it's it's and and some people think this is like you know his evil genius i don't really think that's what it is but it is also people have a hard time keeping up with trump you know what is he saying today you know what 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 kind of new business scam is he doing yeah. mm-hmm. is he you know this thing today where it it is is such a weird news development, you know, Harley Davidson, you know, not only is it manufacturing, but it goes to everything about Trump's very phony self-understanding. You know, Totally masculine. Yeah, masculine, big burly guys. Yeah, boss hog. Yeah, <laughs> tough people, you know, kind of all this kind of shit. So he loves Lee Davidson. Now they're saying they're going to move some production overseas. And he's on Twitter saying, like, it's over for you. <laughs> you know, and he has this whole thing of, like, I'm not, like, people are like, there's uncertain. I'm not uncertain. Right. I'm, just, I'm absolutely certain. Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> you are low energy. You're pulling out. You're done. You know, it's just the like, aura is yeah, gone. Like, what I are, think you, what are you talking about? Yeah. I, it seems like there's a a trend of him
2: uh, using these, a specific industry or a specific company as as a a metaphor for the larger economy. And that works if it doesn't affect you personally. But for... Uh, these Harley, uh, manufacturers in swing States, you know, that are going to be affected by this. I don't think you can't really do that forever.
1: Well, it's, it's, it's funny. I think when I was reading the, uh, the SEC filing about this, I believe it said that in late July, they are going to have either a conference call or another filing where they will actually say, okay, here's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And then that's when you will find out like where they're going to be job cut. Co- I mean, it'll, it'll probably kind of, you know, dribble out before then, um, yeah, it's 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 wild, and the, and the thing is, it is true that a lot of these countries they're not just picking industries at random; they are looking at things that have symbolic value to him, things that that hit in states and, and regions where he's very popular. I mean, it's it's you know it, at uh, at some level that's not great. You're sort of kind of digging into the internals of our political process. But, you know. Totally makes sense. Life's Yeah, it's, 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 an, it's an obvious thing for them to do, especially with a president who, unlike most presidents, definitely has this idea, says he has this idea that there's a group of people, his people, he's the president of them. So, you know, most other presidents would kind of say, look. I represent everybody hitting the farm sector, hitting this sector, hitting that sector. I, I speak for all sectors. Trump doesn't even have that pretense. It's like, I'm for, you know, i got the Harley <laughs> rem- dudes, the yeah. farmers and that's it remi- fuck everybody. It else. reminds
0: me after um, he said, Kim Jong-un, Oh, everyone sort of stood up and clapped for him and they were, you know, they treated him so well. I Maybe I should have my people yeah. do that or I want my people to do that. Yeah. So yeah.
1: Yeah. It's, 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 it's wild. Anyway, um, this stuff is important. Again, uh, I think, Impeachment as a question of what is on the ballot in November is greatly overrated and overstated, but oversight, both in the nuts and bolts sense of making government work for people, which is most of what Matt has has talked about with us today, also for the sense of like don't conspire with any foreign countries to like betray us that's you know basic kind of stuff higher vo- you know higher octane stuff yeah. these things are all incredibly important let me tell you again so we're going to start in in um next week this this new feature where i'm going to answer your questions so if if you are a listener to the podcast you got a question you want me to answer give us a call leave us a voicemail the number again is 646 868 8393 again that's 646 868 8393 we'll play your question uh on the air so try to keep it you know uh concise as you can probably not one to necessarily uh, be judging anybody else on that front, but but keep it tight. Uh, maybe let us know your first name, but let us know where you're from, something like that. Uh, give us a call. I think it's it's uh, going to be fun. We also have, let's not forget, uh, the Josh Marshall podcast is brought to you by Grady's Cold Brew Ice Coffee. Ready to give it a swirl? Get 20% off your first order at gradyscoldbrew.com with promo code TPM. And finally, if you enjoy our podcast, give us a review, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to it. But iTunes is kind of the, that's the big one. So even if you don't live and listen to it on iTunes, uh, give us a rating, give us a review there. And if you haven't yet subscribe, it helps us a lot. If you subscribe to the podcast helps you because if you're a regular listener, it pops up right there in your, in your, uh, you know, your podcast app or iTunes or something like that. But it helps us because it pushes us higher in the direction Directories where people find new podcasts. So if you're just kind of checking out this one episode, if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe. Uh, We really appreciate it a lot. Matt, thanks for. Uh, Thank I you. hope it wasn't too dramatic coming on your first. Uh, it was traumatic. No, traumatic. no, I it was, appreciate it. Was, it a it was
2: a very fun being here and very fun rattling off random uh, scandals. <laughs> cool. Well, you know, this
1: is this is uh, the 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 TPM readership and listenership is very into random scandals, and and frankly, the ones you chose I like because you know they they weren't the things that people have I think heard a lot about. Right. They're not the you know, Jared Kushner muscling cutter to like you know give them half a billion dollars there are these things that again this is what oversight is is really about is you need to make sure the government is exercising its proper role which is to be the champion of people who who need things it's really as simple as that to make sure that we have a a society where things are as uh, as as just as they can be, and the government plays an important role, not just in making sure it does its direct actions in a proper way, but also that it can it can have everybody's back collectively. So it's really important. David, thanks a bunch. Josh, thanks. Talk to you next week. Bye.